Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. We're just uh, going to wait for uh, another 30 seconds or so to uh, have people join in. I see they're coming in here. That's great. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you carving out a little bit of your time in the day. Hopefully, uh, you know, you, you get some good takeaways from this. Uh, you will notice uh, today that Ermos looks a little different. That's because we have Lucas today. Uh, Ermos is off, but, uh, you know, it's really important that we, we show up consistently and persistently. So the show must go on whether uh, Ermos is, is here or not. So we have Lucas Merzik, who's our head of sales. Some of you may be familiar with them already from Office Hours and, uh, and other videos and things like that. For any of you who are new, Lucas is head of sales, has had, uh, you know, a long time in sales, being in sales, working the sales floor, running sales teams, and eventually getting to the point where he can get teams going and, and manage all that stuff and, and bring that kind of skill and acumen and, and translate it onto uh, all that are willing to listen. So uh, Lucas, thanks so much for joining us uh, on the Andy and Nermos Live today. Absolutely, thank you, Andy. And um, I'm very happy to be here. I've got some big shoes to fill. I believe from um, what I've seen you and Hermos put together, uh, I do attend every single one of the Indian Hermos uh, shows because, I mean, they really get me pumped up. And anytime you can get a bit of that external jolt coming in, uh, so that you can just like get back on the phones for whatever task you're doing and just really hammer it out, uh, I'll I'll take it. Excellent. Well, you know, if everybody could just kind of chime in, uh, you know, where you're from and things like that, that would be great. It's always like to know uh, what the breadth of our uh, audience is. And uh, so, yeah, if you could just put in the chat where you're from, uh, you can put questions in there. I don't know when timing wise, whether we'll get to all of them, but we'll certainly try. And uh, maybe some of the questions will get answered in the content of today anyway. Oh, lots of Canadians today so far. Awesome. Fantastic. We're connects as well. Um, so really, you know, kind of the way this works, uh, you know, Aramos is usually sort of uh, comes up with the topic and all these things. And then I kind of throw my little Andyisms and things like that. And we love that formula. So that's kind of what's going to work here. Lucas has got lots of uh, interesting things to talk about. And I'll chime in uh, here and there. But we certainly love comments and feedback. All right, so Lucas, the uh, the floor is yours. Okay, thanks, Andy, and um, welcome. We've got people from all over. We've got some more uh, of our American friends coming in. Uh, I see someone that's in in Ottawa, so I'm hoping that you your commute to work was uh, was okay. Uh, someone from the Chicago area. Um, so yeah, I uh, big fan of Chicago. Naperville is uh, a not so commonly visited place when you go to Chicago, I think. But um, I had a little fun out there. So today, what I wanted to uh, discuss is uh, something that we may actively or periodically, at least I would hope, uh, think about and talk about, and that is, well, how can we become better at what we do? I know that's a, that's a really broad question. I'm going to center in today on the, the idea of controlling your mentality. Uh, so we're going to discuss mentality as a whole, and we're going to go through some more tactical scientific uh, pieces around that, uh, and then we'll close it off so that it, it comes full circle. So 
my, my mentor, when I really got on the path of like, I was in sales when I first started, uh, cause I started studying marketing and kind of, you know, you, you fall into it when you realize the money can be a lot better in, in sales. Um, but when I decided to become a student of sales, it's when, uh, a vice president at uh, my sales org, I was asking for approval, of course, for uh, a special discount for this client. You always get no, but you still close mouths don't get fed. So you have to ask. And anytime he moved around the office, he wrote down on his board, your focus is your reality. And after I got my no for the special discount request, uh, I asked him about that. And he said, okay, you know what, actually, if you have a couple minutes, sit down, let's talk about it. Getting more than like a minute of FaceTime with the VP of sales, I was absolutely uh, enthusiastic about that, sat down and he talked me through how this is how he literally lives his life. And it got me thinking and going down the rabbit hole of what does your focus is your reality mean? Because he talked about the fact that he looks at success and he sees no other path being aware and realistic about all the external factors that are out there. Um, but knowing that you can achieve anything that you really put your mind to. Some people may say it's like, okay, like this kind of stuff sounds kind of cheesy, but when you really go down that rabbit hole, I found what is my favorite quote and really grounds me anytime I'm having, you know, a bit of an off start to the day. And that is, if you believe you can, if you believe you can't, you're right. So how can we get there? Uh, there's a, a great book that I read a bit ago that's called Talent is Overrated by uh, Jeff Colvin. And he explores, and this is an, an opinion piece, so it's not just based on his, his thoughts, but uh, some uh, scientific studies that he cites. He rejects that you are born with innate talent. You know, when you look at someone, you think it's like, oh, wow, they're so good at that. They were just born with it, and it was natural to them. And, and that is, uh, couldn't be furthest from the truth, because he, he cites individuals like uh, Tiger Woods, uh, Mozart, uh, or even uh, like a Warren Buffett. And the fact that they just experienced and did a lot of practice. And we'll talk about the specific type of practice uh, in a minute. Uh, but the, the first thing to uh, understand when you can try to get into that mentality is the understanding that it can be better. And this in no way is discounting, you know, all of the experience that you have and how good you are at, at what you do. Uh, but it talks about the concept of the 10,000 hour rule. Essentially, it takes 10,000 hours of a specific type of practice to become an expert at something. And that's what, you know, Tiger Woods, Warren Buffett, uh, Mozart, as I mentioned uh, earlier, um, in there, they, they break down in that book um, how they actually executed on that and uh, achieved greatness and became those experts. But it's notable to mention that experience is not the same thing as practice because, I mean, I could cook pasta for, for 20 years and I could still be making bad pasta. And uh, because I'm, I'm just practicing the same thing over and over and over again. And that's because those eureka moments that we, we hear about, it's a complete myth. They don't just happen. You don't just one day notice, hey, the pasta came out right. What did I do differently? You, you consciously have to be uh, thinking about that and looking at it. And the, the study that they uh, cite there is that they did a... Um, a study on 80 composers and you know musical composers and they this is all his historical so they looked at 10 years uh, of work that they did and that is on average what they needed or sorry at the minimum to have their first notable piece of work created and also not all composers were able to create that notable piece of work 
which comes into the old lie that you've heard, and that is work smart, not hard. That is fake news. It is work smart and hard. So how we can do that is understanding one, what am I good at as a financial advisor and what am I bad at? You know, maybe we don't need to necessarily phrase it as bad, but compared to your good, it absolutely is bad. And that's when introspection comes into play. So introspection, I believe, is the number one skill in soft skill in really all people, all walks of life. And it's really difficult to achieve because you have to be honest with yourself. You have to dissect that conversation I just had with that individual that didn't go the way that I wanted to, but they were a difficult personality maybe, uh, or you know, there's this noise, distractions, and, and that's why I wasn't able to close them as a client. Sure, okay, external factors exist, but internally, can you think about, well, what did I actually do that I could have executed on better so that I could engage them better, uh, so that I can get them to have a better understanding of the concept that we were discussing, to stay more focused despite the distractions uh, that were happening, to build reports that despite their difficult personality, we could build more, more of a bond. And being honest with yourself about that is really difficult. Uh, a good place where if you want to practice introspection to start is focus on dissecting what did I do well and why did I execute it on it really well. So when you can get into um, a really reflective state, anytime you walk out of any kind of situation, conversation, um, you can start to make a plan on focusing on what you're bad at and then deliberately practicing how you'll be better at that. Uh, so pick a specific thing. If it is the pain building and the needs analysis, or I mean, more people maybe understand it as just the, the discovery to having a, a better discovery process, what can you deliberately do every single time? So you're consciously thinking of, I'm going to make sure that if it gets a little uncomfortable, I'll still ask that one more question uh, so that we're really on the same page in terms of the impact of achieving that goal or the lack of achieving that goal may be. So that's really what they talk about is um, the 10,000 hour rule requires 10,000 hours of deliberate practice, focusing on improving something to have incremental improvements to get really good at it and then move on to the, the next thing. Uh, I'm gonna pause there and I'll pass it over to you, Andy. Any thoughts on that or experiences? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you and I used to talk about this all the time, you know, the, the whole saying of, you know, practice makes perfect. Well, you know, I like to say that's not true because you're never going to be perfect. perfect perfection is unachievable, but that can always be your goal is to get to perfection, but likelihood you're not gonna get there. However, practice, more importantly, makes permanent. And what Lucas is talking about there is that those habits, those processes, that deliberate intention uh, of what you're doing, what you're saying is what gets you to being really good, being a subject matter expert on whatever it is, financial advising, cars, whatever. It's that knowledge, it's that accumulation, it's that continuous learning. And, you know, I, I think when I started out, my biggest uh, you know, my biggest weakness was really not being effective at finding out or understanding my clients or my potential clients, finding out what makes them tick and what makes them, what ticks them off. Right. And I think this is one of the things that is so very imperative in, in this profession is learning about 
how to be a better question asker. <laughs> I, that sounds terrible, like grammatically, but really good at asking a question that sounds genuine and being a better listener, right? Probably the best salespeople in the world are excellent listeners. And I think I remember we were, we attended some seminar Lucas ages ago where the stats showed that the most successful um, salespeople talk only 43% of the time. So really that's a thing that I constantly work on because I talk way too much for any of you who've talked to me before. I'm still working on that work in progress, but um, recognizing that I always got to be conscious of that. So going back and listening to calls or whatever going, oh my God, I talked way too much. Next call, I'm going to make a point of talking less and asking more questions. Back to you, Lucas. Couldn't agree more, Andy, man. Okay. So if we have gotten to a point where we accept, okay, I am not perfect. There are things that I'm exceptionally good at. Then there's things that I'm good at. Um, and then compared to the exceptionally good at, I'm just, I'm bad at those other things. Even if you're better than other people, let's just, for you, it's, that's the thing that I'm bad at then we need to have continued growth uh, to grow our success. And that requires consistent self-motivation because um, the, the problem identified in um, all the studies on these individuals is that uh, external motivation, it only goes so far. So you have your friends, your family, colleagues, they encourage you. Uh, when we're children, it all starts with uh, generally our parents or our family uh, that is uh, encouraging us and they're pushing us like, you can do it, you can do it. Here, I'll take you to practice. I'll uh, show you uh, this or I'll get you this tool uh, so that you can uh, start growing some of those interests. But I mean, I don't know about most of you when growing up, I didn't imagine myself that I wanted to be a salesperson uh, or you, I don't think you probably were growing up thinking the entire time, I wanna be a financial advisor. For some of you, that very well uh, could be a, the case. But when you found that this is something that I'm passionate for, well, the challenge you'll encounter, and I'm sure you already have, is that most of the moments in life where you experience adversity, you'll be alone and you'll need to have that internal drive and internal motivation. So one way that you can develop it is by forcing yourself to practice. If you get into a flow where you have been consistently practicing and you've got that sticky note that you put onto your monitor, I don't know if this is what anyone here does, but uh, anytime I would really want to be I deliberate about reminding myself of this one thing that I've identified. I want to fix that. I put it up on the monitor and then it's a reminder every single day you're, you're coming in or every time you put the phone down, you look at it and you force yourself to, okay, on the next call, I will make sure that I focus on that. And I, I actually execute on that. And that consistency that turns into a habit where you have a habit of, I'm about to make a call. What do I want to do better at on that call versus the last one? I don't know if you have anything to add on that, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think, you know, those, those little bits of things of knowing, well, one more activity or two more activities, right when you recognize that you did something wrong, can now instantly try to implement that and make that little micro adjustment, right? And it's, I think it's why, you know, after concerts or games or whatever they have kind of like a post-mortem a game review and look at all the things they did right and look at the things they did wrong and while it's fresh in their mind and you know one of the things I used to do uh, 
on, on the floor early days in plans. Well, is I would always resign myself to make one to five more calls at the end of the day, especially if I was getting beat up that day, I would just try it again. There was no downside, only upside by doing that. And you know what I found Lucas that the, one of those calls went really well. And not only did it mean that I got to potentially help somebody and make a difference in their life, I got to go home on a positive note. You know, for any of you golfers out there, you could have a terrible round of golf, but you make one awesome shot on the 18th hole, and that's all you remember. You know, what's that Ted Lasso thing? You know, we got to start getting Ted Lasso quotes. Be a goldfish. They have a 10-second memory. Get back at it. Keep swimming. <laughs> that's hype. Hype, yeah, I, I think uh, one thing that I've always done is I try to simplify things as, uh, as much as possible because then it's a lot easier to understand. So yeah, I love a quote like that. Okay, so um, now that we've talked through the fact that we, we can get better, we have to deliberately practice uh, by being introspective and challenging ourselves to um, practice and practice and practice deliberately. Uh, I've, I have a difficult question for, for everyone and, and I'm wondering, uh, maybe throw it in the, the chat if you believe that you are a financial advisor or if you are a salesperson that happens to be in the financial industry. Yeah, we really would like to see the chats in there, the little comments of how you view yourself. Uh, you know, yeah. getting getting back to what Lucas said at the beginning, this is about introspection, right? How do you see yourself? Because that's how other people see you. Perception is reality, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, overwhelmingly, we've got people that are saying uh, they're an advisor. And we've got people all the way from, just lost my bar, Long Island, Wisconsin, Salem, Whippany, Knoxville, upstate New York, Woodstock, San Diego, um, both. Financial advisor, Logan, Utah. Okay. So by title, you are a financial advisor. Um, this is where I'd like to challenge the, the thought and the paradigm that a lot of advisors, they, they do get stuck in. Uh, I'm a client advocate and I consider myself an evangelist for my financial advisor rather than a salesperson. Okay, so I'd like everyone to consider and accept the fact that we're actually all in sales our entire life. At some point, you convinced a friend to join you on a trip, maybe when you finished university and you were going to go travel Europe or Southeast Asia or something. Um, you maybe convinced your partner to marry you uh, or you convinced your client to action your plan and do what's in their best interest. Uh, so uh, in, in terms of um, salespeople that are successful in the financial industry, I've seen this uh, firsthand. I had uh, hired kids that were fresh out of school. They had never had a sales job, had nothing, no background in uh, the financial industry, maybe studied uh, underwater basket weaving. And they realized, hey, I'm not that employable. Like, well, I wonder what I could do. Uh, but they had the right attitude. They liked Plantel's mission. Uh, so, uh, you know, when we interviewed, I thought it's like, okay, you know, we, we can teach you all these things. They were able to, after tons of role play, call breakdowns, coaching, and they were able to book consultations and close these clients without actually even being licensed. They did it because they applied it from a salesperson's approach. And 
the challenge for financial advisors at times I find is that you don't have that daily hourly coach available that is reviewing your calls and listening to them and uh, trying to coach uh, from a sales standpoint. Uh, so um, Andy, I don't know if you have any uh, thoughts on that because I, to Andy being here, not everyone was fresh at a university that joined us when we had the in-house model. Yeah, I was I was definitely the uh, the old dog learning new tricks, and you know I, I have to admit I was a little bit apprehensive about could I do that right, and but I knew that my work ethic was there and that I had an open mind. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am an advisor myself. I think you got to understand something here. You don't get to be an advisor unless you've sold somebody on you and you've sold somebody on whatever it is that they're looking to buy, right? There's that famous saying, nobody likes to sell, buy, or sorry, nobody likes to be sold to, but everybody likes to buy because there's something they need. Is it peace of mind? Is it financial independence? Is it early retirement? Is it protecting their family? Whatever that is, your job is to find out why, why are they talking to you? Why should they speak to you? And I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but that's sales, right? You're not advising them. And so I, I would add another little hat that I like to wear in there is educator, right? This is more of a consultative sales, but you have to know what does that person care about? What's going to make that person feel good about working with you? And a lot of it is buying your why. And how are you going to do that? You have to sell yourself that you are the solution to whatever their problems are but you got to find out what those problems are first and that is all sales you can deny yourself all you want but we are as i've said before probably the most second important sales job in the world the first is a doctor or healthcare professional selling you on the best health possible and preventing illnesses the second best and most important job is us i think as financial advisors making sure that people's financial health is the best it can be and preventing financial cancers in their life. Absolutely. And uh, there's actually someone in the uh, chat here that posted, uh, Devin, people love to buy, hate to be sold. My goal is to help them buy from me. Absolutely. And that is a sales approach. So we have another person that uh, Bill said, advisor 75%, sales uh, 25%. Uh, so <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think we have anyone that's on the extreme um, where I have spoken to some advisors where they say it's like, hey, I'm a professional. I'm not just a salesperson pushing my agenda. And the, the tone I get from some of those conversations I've had is that uh, the word salesperson, it's almost like it's, it's a bad thing or it's a dirty word. Well, look at the, the Elon or Elon uh, Musk's, Warren Buffett, Steve Jobs of the world. They're all salespeople. They had a whole ton of other skills and technical skills, but they still had to sell and get the buy-in of individuals to follow them and execute on the things that they needed to get done to be successful. Now, another approach to look at it is, okay, if you close a client, because in sales, we close people, right? Will they be in a better financial position versus not working with you? I would say the overwhelming majority, if not everyone here would say absolutely yes. So the best financial advisors, they, they treat each interaction like a sale. 
So you can be really deliberate with your approach to have a higher chance of being successful in converting that person to, to the point of what uh, Devin mentioned, so that they don't feel like they're being sold to, but they're making the buying decision. Uh, and in that, you could use uh, sales theory and sales psychology to be very deliberate in how you communicate with that, that individual. Uh, so uh, we all know the golden standard is that $1 billion book of business, and there's a handful of advisors, I don't know, maybe 10 in Canada, so I would assume 10x in, uh, in the U.S., um, I had the, the pleasure and privilege of meeting one of them when they came into uh, the office over 2018, 2019, we had an office before we were uh, fully remote. Um, and this guy looking at him, he was a salesperson through and through. Uh, that's me really putting an analytical eye on it. Um, but really what I was seeing is that he was oozing charisma and he was focused on building rapport and he was coming across extremely genuine. Uh, and he self-admitted that you know, in terms of executing on the best financial plan, he's probably not the best person, but he has a team of people that he trusts that will take care of that. So if he can't ever answer a question, he's like, hey, I'm going to kick it over to um, Andy here and uh, he's going to get us an answer. Uh, but make sure that the individual is feeling uh, comfortable um, because it, it comes down to that um, the best plan isn't the one that isn't is necessarily getting uh, actioned on. Uh, so. Part of the reason is people make decisions with emotion and not logic. So if you have the best plan for them and logically it makes sense, that will not necessarily motivate them to take action on it. Uh, when someone walks away from you and they've said, yeah, I'm going to do that plan or no, I'm not going to do that plan. Well, they're always going to tell themselves, I made the right decision. So if they say no, it's like, you know what, uh, that plan just didn't make sense maybe because they didn't understand it, or maybe because they didn't have the trust, maybe because the logistics weren't set properly, could be for a variety of reasons, and like all you know, sales things that you can uh, chop up and understand. Um, or if someone walks away and says, yeah, I'm, I'm happy, I told Andy, I'm gonna uh, action that plan, I'm gonna get him those documents, he's gonna send stuff over, I understand what's happening next, it's gonna be super easy, and I'm happy that my future self is gonna be thanking me. They're gonna reinforce that right when they walk away. Um, so knowing that, Let's talk about a couple of things that as salespeople and financial advisors, we can consider because as a salesperson, you're going to deliberately look at understanding someone's buying triggers, which will affect how you ask questions. Are they motivated by the upside or downside? Uh, to paraphrase, that means is someone motivated by um, making more money and having a stronger plan or preventing a negative situation, not having enough money for retirement. So hence upside downside, uh, respectively, uh, are they motivated by uh, short or long-term considerations and goals, uh, fear of missing out. That's another thing that's very real and also social pressures and buying into those and being able to twist the screwdriver into it's like, okay, so like, what is the impact of, uh, on your family if this, uh, and that happens or it doesn't happen and them starting to paint that picture and speaking it out loud to you because by asking the questions and, and knowing the fact that when someone says something to you it makes it that much more real um, versus you just repeating it over and over uh, so let's let's revisit deliberate uh, practice here so you can consistently practice things like um, well asking questions and understanding the buying triggers uh, understanding how to build better rapport the internet, sorry, intentional oversharing of information. Um, I think most of you have probably been exposed to rapid rapport uh, at this point. 
Um, doing a, a needs analysis. Um, maybe you'd see it as pain building if you want to take more of the, the sales approach. You could take the Sandler's method of peeling back the onion uh, and really getting into the, the root cause uh, until you get some, into some uh, reaffirmation uh, so that the individual is saying out loud, this is the impact and this is why I need to do this at the end of this consultation. Um, looking at your consultations and, well, taking your... Um, like the understanding your individual's uh, financial IQ. Are you going to talk your way out of the sale or not? Training your clients to give you introductions, setting logistics and being really deliberate because studies show salespeople who set logistics more frequently close at a significantly higher rate. That's because when you know what's coming next, there's uh, significantly less uh, anxieties and fears as to what's about to happen. And just the basics of asking for the business. You can train yourself to do it. And I mean, let's be honest, we've all been in that moment where you just built so much rapport that you thought it's like, yeah, they just said, uh, okay, let's connect tomorrow and we'll take action on it. That's fine. You can do that. But why not ask them for the business right now? If you feel you've built enough rapport and educated them well enough to, to jump into it. So one thing I, I, I want to uh, come down to after uh, talking about all the things that we can delivery practice is that instant success is an absolute myth. All of you, I'm sure, are very good at uh, the things that you do and you've reached a level of success. I mean, you can afford to invest in your business on a monthly basis. So how do we maximize on that? Well, with what we've discussed, I hope it's a reminder to focus on, on your mentality and looking at this as more of a sale and breaking up the conversations that you're having into a more methodical process where you can apply sales theories to become better in those conversations. And it can be draining at times. Uh, so one thing I learned from uh, talent is uh, overrated that you we can fall into the trap where if you're talking about similar subject matter and doing consultations, you can fall into going through the motions. Uh, so try to take a step back and think about what am I doing today? And um, what is, how can I be on today? And by on, I mean actively focusing on doing one thing better. So the way that you can get into doing that is by consistently uh, practicing and that'll help you develop a strong mentality because salespeople who have had instant success, they flame out because they don't end up arriving at understanding of what did I do to get to this point of consistent success? I think that comes with a lot of that deliberate practice, but I'll, I'm going to pause there and pass it back to you, Andy. Yeah, I think it, I think it comes down to one specific thing when you're talking to any person, you know, where, where financial planning might come up or just in general, but in the context of, of calling a lead or a referral is what do you care about? Or in the context of plans, well, why did you, why did you spend the time building this plan? What was on your mind and let them answer the question because it wasn't because I just had five or 10 or 20 minutes to kill. There had to be a reason and some motivation for doing that. Right. And just by that simple question, it reminds them, Hey, they did something that prompted you following up and you following up is a very important step to resolving whatever that problem is or getting them to that goal. So don't be afraid to ask that question. Well, okay, you know, why did you fill this out? Like, what were you hoping to get out of it? Because generally speaking, when that happens, that person tells you 
all of the things that they care about, what their pain points were, where they are on that spectrum that um, that Lucas was talking about. Either they're trying to get to a goal in growth or protect what they already have. So just, just remember that it's about finding out what they care about and making that call about them and not about you. Yeah, so just to summarize, and thank you for sharing that, Andy, that's definitely actionable. Um, one, we need to accept that we can do better. I think part of that is uh, accepting as a sales individual, we can be better because it's a very important part of our role to be successful. So be encouraged that science shows there's a 10,000 hour rule. So you can be better by focusing on a deliberate practice via introspection, looking at yourself and recognizing, hey, there's stuff I'm bad at. That's okay. I will get better at it. And having a, a focus on your mentality every single day, do a self-check and think, where am I at? And how can I put myself in a better spot for when I'm making that next call? And majority of the time, it could be something super simple, like looking at your sticky note, reminding yourself, all right, on that discovery, I need to go a little bit deeper to understand the individual. So uh, with that, uh, I'll uh, open it up to any questions. I know we're coming up to time, but um, I'll, I'll close off with, if you have any ideas or topics for future webinars, um, reach out to Ermos. Uh, maybe I'll throw that, or if Andy, if you could throw his email in the chat, uh, ermos at planswell.com. Uh, and uh, the simple quote from the name that everyone knows, MJ, Michael Jordan. Uh, and he said, I have failed over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. So I'm sure that's not nothing new, but having that approach and then breaking down, well, what did I learn from that failure? That is sales. And I know people look at it as like, well, that's being an advisor as well. Um, I, I think it truly comes down to what you're selling and that you're selling yourself first. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. So um, yeah, for those of you, uh, you know, that, uh, that are partner advisors, you know, I do recommend going back and looking at the, the archive of videos because we do touch on a lot of these subjects, you know, the Andy versus every objection. The phone lady is amazing, by the way, plug for the phone lady. She's got um, another webinar coming up. Uh, is it Thursday, Lucas, or Wednesday, Thursday? I think Thursday. I think usually we do on Wednesday at one o'clock. Oh, Wednesday at one o'clock. Yeah. So those are really great. Gives lots of insights into... Um, how to leave voice messages and emails that engage and voicemails that engage and text messages that engage. Um, those things are really, really great. And that's benefiting from 16 years of experience with uh, Mary Jacobs. Um, once again, if you're not partnered, um, I'm pretty sure one of us has reached out to you at some point. You want to learn more, or get a personalized tour, just uh, have a look, probably just Google uh, or not Google search for plans well in your email and you'll see that person. And uh, yeah, keep sending in those topics and things like that. We love to, to talk about those things. Um, for, I think it's uh, Leah, um, I do address the, I was bored or messing around. It's in the Andy versus every objection. Um, so just check it out in there. And uh, yeah, I don't have much more to say than that. You did a great job, Lucas. Thanks so much for, uh, for being here. I always love hearing you talk about sales because you're very matter of fact and blunt about it. And, you know, we got to get real with ourselves, right?
Absolutely. Thanks, Andy. And um, one thing actually I just caught up on, uh, there's two questions here uh, about uh, you answer about if they don't pick up the phone or if they hang up before uh, you get uh, past, hello, this is Lucas uh, calling. I, a lot of times I'm actually calling from Planswell. We, we don't recommend that. We uh, Calling regarding uh, Planswell. And then the other uh, question was um, people saying I was bored. I was just messing around. Um, on the internet uh so yes join us at two or well two on tuesday and thursday eastern uh with uh where we do our office hours and we'll speak to more tactical things andy also had a sick webinar that was andy versus every objection he addresses those things as well uh, but in terms of the context of this webinar uh, as a whole it's it's literally deliberate practice why are they not allowing you to get past hello are they not hearing the smile on your face are the is the energy that you're projecting is, is it proper you know the old saying smile and dial uh and why salespeople generally walk around and they've got like you know long cords on their headset uh, motion creates emotion sales is a transfer of emotion so people are immediately picking up on that as soon as they pick up the phone uh, so uh, i think uh, if you can record your call depending on what state or province you're in uh, that would be really helpful and it, even if you can't just record yourself, just the one side. I'm, I'm sure that's legal, or if it's not, I'm not recommending that. But um, whatever's legal, get a sample size and listen back to yourself and be honest with yourself. Would I want to talk to that person? Yeah, and Lucas, maybe to give a little bit of inspiration, you can share just how horrendous I was when I started in-house at Planswell four years ago. <laughs> Okay, so um, it's it's a Monday. You're having a lovely day, Andy. I don't want to bring you down, but uh, yeah, we just we don't need to talk about those times. Um, Andy was definitely a, a people person, and he he would talk about stuff. But in terms of having a focus and having um, being able to read the room, the right level of energy, those are all things that we talked about. And Andy has applied, has really become a student of sales where he's deliberate with what he's saying and how he's saying it now so that he has a conscious effort on, well, what impact will this phrasing and also the way that I uh, say this have on the conversation? So that consciously you can almost have like this out of body, third person experience. You're looking at yourself and thinking, okay, we're listening to Lucas right now. And then Andy, this is what you need to say. And also make sure that you bring the energy down a little bit so that you can uh, show a little bit more empathy. Um, but yeah, that's, that's not where we started out. All these things can be learned. No one is born a natural salesperson. Talent beats hard work every time hard work doesn't work hard. Yeah, thanks for sparing me, Lucas. You got it. Okay, um, I'm happy uh, the the person that you are right now, uh, and uh, Jim sharing. I can appreciate that uh, sometimes as well, but sometimes it's more curious. And I was offering a complimentary review. Um, let's have a look at what you entered. How about we meet uh, next week? So I imagine that's happening like really early in the call. So talking about a complimentary um, review, um, I think it's a little bit uh, committal. Um, early on, you just want to talk about in broad senses, helping people uh, make better decisions with their money. Like that's, It's a broad term instead of uh, you have to sit down and make a decision on, on something. Uh, that's just my uh, feedback there off the cuff. But uh, no more questions. So thanks so much, everyone. Uh, and I think if uh, you're not one of our partner advisors, we'll pass your information off to uh, the account executive that you've been speaking with. 
Um, or you can just reach out to them if uh, you'd like to get involved in more of uh, this kind of content and, and webinars like the one that we have coming up on, on Wednesday. You're welcome. Appreciate that. Thanks, Leah, Brendan. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Thanks. Take care.